0: What's going on, everybody? Sam Brown here with In Between Sets podcast number four? Yes, definitely number four. Uh, I am joined with La Martina. She is a doctor of physical therapy. She is a elite level powerlifter and a IFBB pro bodybuilder. So she has done it all. She has done it all. She has seen it all. Super, super strong, super, super crazy smart, and I was lucky enough to meet her and work with her uh, back in January when she came down with Justin Harris to shoot some videos uh, for Elite. So, we really hit it off. She is truly uh, an amazing clinician, she's an amazing athlete, but more importantly, she is such an amazing coach and person that truly cares about everything, everybody that she works with, um, I spent hours with her just talking about biomechanics and the nervous system and all this stuff, and, and uh, she really is a master of her craft, and guys, if you have not heard of her or have not seen what she has done, uh, you need to check her out. I will be putting all of her links down below at the bottom of the uh, episode here. But this was someone that I wanted to talk to, and as soon as I I knew I wanted to start my own podcast, she was on the list of people I wanted to talk to uh, more than most. So we, uh, we go into a lot of different things here. We go into a lot of uh, some lessons that coaches should learn about connecting with clients, what it means to be a coach, what we're actually doing as coaches, uh, but she also breaks down a lot of... Uh, a lot of really good information on pain, understanding pain, how to work with pain. And, uh, you know, just we, we kind of just brush the surface on a lot of different things here. And it's it was an absolute blast and it fired me up. And now I am wildly caffeinated and going to be working on some stuff here. But I hope you enjoy this episode. Enough of me rambling on here. Uh, welcome to episode number four of In Between Sets podcast with Danny LaMartina start on this one let me start on this one make sure this is good oh there's a countdown this is like the most professional <laughs> thing in the world awesome i think we're i think we're good hello <laughs> hello so i am here with Danny martina probably no i'm gonna give you the i'm gonna give you the crown of the most powerful, strongest, smartest female I think I've ever met in my life. Honest to God. Like, I, and I'm going to just, I'm a totally fangirling right now. But and ever God. since you came down to Elite and we got to spend the day together, we, a couple of days together, making videos, doing the podcast, I have learned how little I know and how fucking cool it is to be in that position. <laughs>
1: It really is such a gift when you're around people who um, kind of, they, they bring out your strengths and kind of tell you what you're really great at just indirectly, but then they also kind of show you where you can go with that and kind of lead you into that too. We've been really, really blessed to be around some people like that here in Dallas lately too.
0: Mm. So you have, since I met you, you have moved, you have started all sorts of businesses, like you are all over the place. So give the people here listening a little bit of a background of what you've been doing since that elite time.
1: Sure. Um, so in January, um, I was out at elite with my coach Justin Harris and I've been running my own company, merge performance, physical therapy, um, remotely, I transitioned from being fully in person to hybrid in-person remote to fully remote, mostly out of demand, quite frankly, because there are not a lot of therapists out there that actually can kind of make training your rehab and let you still Mm -hmm. train hard and do all those things. Um, so since January, um, Justin, myself, and my husband have launched a membership website called Team Chiponin. Um, We've been involved with Justin's new supplement line, First Attachment Nutrition. Shameless plug. Mm-hmm. Best career I've ever taken. Um, I'm on like a steady stream of it right now. <laughs> um, and um, I'm also currently in competition prep for my IFBB Pro debut at the Chicago Pro and then potentially Tampa Pro and Texas Pro after that. So um, in that time, we've also moved, started Team Choponin, Um Husband has started a new job, which sounds like it's totally unrelated to what I do. But when you're in a partnership, I mean, it all really oh, does kind please. of together. Yeah. And I think that if there's one thing that I could look at in terms of how much my life has changed in the last couple of years, it's really been the result of the people that I've been able to surround myself with. Um, and it's, it's actually unbelievable to look at, you know, 2019, where it was probably my lowest point where mm-hmm. I am now just um, living a completely different life.
0: And I think there's a lot of people that will look at their day-to-day schedules and be like, "Wow, I'm busy," but you have been able to accomplish amazing feats in powerlifting, first and foremost, right?
1: Oh yeah, that's right. I did a meet. Yeah,
0: no <laughs> shit. Like you just were like, "Meh, okay." And not only you did, not only did a meet, you fucking threw some serious numbers together.
1: Yeah, I um, I managed to put together almost a 550 Wilks sleeves, which is.
0: Okay. (laughs) That's pretty good.
1: What was really, really cool about that is like hardly any of my training for that meet was was pure powerlifting. I really wanted to make sure that when I got on stage this year, um that I brought the size and the condition I needed to do well on the IFB stage. So kind of looking at breaking down the programming and really getting nerdy about, you know, movement selection and application of different principles, um, allowed me to put on size I needed for the stage, um, rehab soft tissue and come in and um, put up a squat PR that after tearing my adductor tendon in 2018, um, I, I mean, I was told I'd be lucky to touch 200 again. I squatted almost 400 at 132.
2: So.
0: That's yeah. so incredibly impressive because, it, so the name of your business was Merge, right? Correct. You are the epitome of merging all these things in one. And one of the biggest takeaways that I got from you being able to work with you in person was you truly merge together the clinical side and the performance side better than I think I've seen anybody do it because I don't think people realize how much those worlds should coincide, right? Yeah, it's and I and I and it's so funny because I even deep like for the longest time I knew like I obviously don't have the clinical background and whatnot, but. I knew there has to be a better way and to hear and see you do it is so fucking cool.
1: Oh, well, thanks. Um, I really appreciate that. It's really um, kind of my heart and soul. And again, it's evolved out of necessity. And I think it's a great example of how, you know, you live these stories and you go through these experiences and every experience is a decision um, or every event is a decision on what you do next. Right. And when I look back at the last couple of years, I had a lot of events that would have been an opportunity to shrink down and really doubt myself and it's been really really cool to kind of lean into the knowledge and um number one approach things with um obviously a brain of curiosity mm-hmm. but also just coming down to justin and dave and i talk about this a lot on our teacher opponent website thinking about first principles um how do you go about doing things because you're right a lot of people live in this kind of black and white world of you're the training or you're rehab, and really mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you're influencing soft tissue and the nervous system and mechanics. And then again, like the psychology of things, Yep. whether you're training someone or you're doing the rehab side, it doesn't matter. Those four boxes still have to be ticked.
0: And it's, and I think it's that sort of thought process that has shifted my own way of, of training, Mm -hmm. of programming, of everything, just my thought process on it. Because for the longest time, when people talked about training and programming, it's like, oh, we're building an engine, we're building a car, but it's like, no, we're really trying to grow a garden, right? Like we're really (laughs) trying to provide the environment at which these changes need to happen, right?
1: I love that analogy. I love that analogy. That's a great one. I'm probably going to using (laughs) that.
0: Use the shit out of it. Use the absolute shit out of it.
1: But I think what's cool too is like talking to you, (laughs) Sam, that people understand your background as a coach is heads and tails above I would say 99% of coaches out there like <laughs> the clinician I talk to you and I'm like God, he's challenging me to think differently which is incredible and people ask me all the time like Jane, how do you do what you do like what's what's the secret sauce and I'm like there isn't one mm. it's it's really like can you break down the principles of okay well what's the problem and what do we know about the problem? Is the, is the problem a mechanical problem or is that a soft tissue problem and you just kind of get this like very very base level decision tree and from there it's just about being smart about your selection and how you talk to people and that's one of the things that i love about you and your coaching style is that it's so person oriented
0: well it's and that's one of those things that i think having that sort of background with counseling has helped me tremendously mm-hmm. because And we had a conversation off air talking about how the the process of of working with somebody has to be so personalized to who that person is, how that person responds, how that person takes information, you know, and not only, that's not even talking the clinical side, right? Like now, which blows my mind because I know how fucking exhausted I am after doing like three or four of these like strategy calls with like clients, like I'm just trying to figure out like how best I can support them. And I always tell them, I go, listen, I'm your co-pilot. You're the captain of the ship. I'm just making sure we don't crash into shit, right? Like I'm just hoping like I, at least the information that I know, what I know about you, what I know about the goal you want to get. And I just want to help you navigate. But to add in that layer of the clinical side, my fucking brain explodes trying to think about like how, you would even <laughs> just combine all those things. It's incredible.
1: It is a lot. And I think especially doing it remotely where you think about the athlete experience and they're given, I was actually talking about this with my business coach the other day, because he was like, why do you spend so much time on your Loom videos? Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you listening who don't know, Loom is basically a screen capture where you can make a voice recording, show your face, um, show what's on your screen. Um, and I told him that you know, I can have a client dealing or two different clients dealing with the same issue. Maybe it's discogenic low back, pain,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: But their belief system, um, their reality, how they learn, their learning styles, whether it's audio, uh, visual or kinesthetic, all of those things are going to play into how you need to communicate the plan. So the plan is only part of the picture. And like you said, it's how is it communicated? Mm-hmm. Um, I can say, Sam, you're great. Or I can say sam you're awesome right right and they're saying the same thing but how they're communicated is going to play a very different role in how you hear now some people might hear "Sam, you're great and say Fuck yeah i'm great how yeah. come you're not doing it and like kind of amp up to that right other people are going to hear that and go he doesn't really she doesn't really believe it
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and so you know like you said kind of having that the clinical or i'm sorry the um counseling background that you have that's something that i think you can really appreciate
0: Yeah. It, it, even I was on a few calls today. I had, uh, where I'm at now. Now I get a lot of, a a lot of clients that have some sort of like a low back issue or something. It's just life is, I always seem to be getting the clients where life seems to be kicking the shit out of them at the moment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And for some reason they always like, I, I had three clients today that I spoke to and they all were kind of having the same sort of issues, but they all went about it very different ways. Right. I had one that was a 40 year old male that was like taking life by the horns. He was like, all right, here we go. I, my back hurts this, but I want to do this. And like, you could see the optimism. So mm-hmm. I had to meet him on that level. I had to kind of get into that zone. I had another uh, client who was a uh, in her fifties and she has gone through the ringer. She had uh, a son die like six years ago. Like, so all of these things that it just seems to pile on and on and on and on. And I had to meet her where she was with understanding that it's a process and it's a, I I called it the crockpot method, low and slow. Like I'm not going to overload you with too much in the beginning, right? Like the idea is we're trying to change your habits over the course of time. And it's like, Week one is not what week 10, week 15, week 50 is going to look like. So step one, let's get there together. So that was a different conversation versus the guy that was just so gung-ho that he, it was just, it was the same sort of outcome. You took a different path to get to, and it looks like it's in different wrappers. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah. God, you're so articulate. I love it. My prep brain is sitting here on like, I think my last meal was like a rice cake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm, so I'm like, God, he's reading words. What are words? Side note,
0: side note, before we continue, you would you would ask me if I had ever dieted down to this point. I just fucking sat here laughing. I'm like, you know, I if I can see my feet, I'm dieted down enough.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, But I want to come back to what you were saying with regards to it just seems like you're getting a lot of people where life is just kind of like kind of kicking their ass a little bit. Because I think that brings up a really, really good point where if you're coaching someone who's in pain, just, I mean, even think about the correlation between our stress response our sympathetics and pain response and how all those things are really, really amplified, Uh, maybe not amplified, but very, very um, interwoven and kind of tied together. So when you and I, because you have the, the McGill certification, and I think, again, like there are very few coaches I would trust to work with people in pain, you're one of them. When you're working with someone in pain, it's so much more than just the programming. And there's there's very often so many other layers of life that contribute to the environment that increases sensitivity to pain. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just really interesting to look at, um, you know, life response or like what's going on with life and someone's pain levels. I mean, gosh, I could probably go through my roster right now and pick out people. And if I had to draw, like, you know, people like draw their their uh, yearly training mm-hmm. whether like increasing frequency, intensity, all those things you and I could probably do that with pain um, for our clients. We could probably say that their pain spikes are happening right around life stresses. Mm -hmm. And obviously training is going to have to change around that too. And so to me, it's always a question of you have, you have Tetris in front of you and you're basically trying to maximize getting everything all Tetris in perfectly um, in a system that's dynamic. So you're like trying to play Tetris from like inside a bubble. Right. Right. It feels like.
0: Yeah. And, And and as a personal example, I I reached out to you a few months ago. My shoulder was really giving me some shit and it was so you didn't know this at the time, but that is the perfect example of life stressors. Oh no, I knew. Yeah, I know you fucking, of course you knew, (laughs) but like it was life stressors just showing themselves in physical, physical symptoms because I was going through all that shit with a lead or whatever. And like, I was leaving and all of a sudden everything flared up. It was like my back, my shoulder, my knee, like shit that hadn't bothered me. And what you told me to do, you go, you told me a very specific position to get into. And you told me to breathe and you said not to force it. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And it was the first time that I had been in a position where I could let myself relax. And I was like, and I just remember being in that position. It was like after about two or three minutes, and I was just like, "Fuck, she's good." I was like, "She knew." Like, I just needed to chill the fuck out. Like, that was it. You could have used any sort of term, but if at at that time you had told me, "Hey, Sam, chill the fuck out," I'd be like, "I'm fucking fine. I'm fucking chill. This is great. Like, this is exactly like I'm. I'm chilling so hard right now." But so, <laughs> like,
1: bro, I'm cool. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: But, but yeah, anyway. it was amazing to see how you use. The tools at your disposal to get me to a certain point without me knowing I was getting to that point, because I would have resisted.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a really, really interesting kind of segue too. Because if I talked about, you know, if I were to give you a glimpse into my brain of what I was thinking at that point in time, where, like, yes, biomechanically, I know what's going with that shoulder. Okay, so that's one factor. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what your training looked like. Um, we did. variation of a lat movement the day before so i kind of knew what your movement patterns looked like right right. i knew that we needed to look at the nervous system and one of the things that i could just see it's you know it's funny you know how like bodybuilding coaches or like nutrition coaches in general can just like look at a body and there's just this intangible thing that they're like this is the thing yes yep i think with, with movement and movement quality and even body posturing there's just an intangible that when you've looked at enough people over time I'm not talking like two years. I'm mm-hmm. talking like you have to be in this for a decade or more. You can kind of see what's going on, mm-hmm. and like, and I'm not talking like, oh, his hips are shifted or his shoulders are rotated, his ribcage is rotated. Right. Um, you are just literally holding tension everywhere.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think you ever fully <sighs> exhaled. Mm-hmm. And even some of those physiological things that happen with gas exchange between oxygen and carbon dioxide shifts our physiological state from one of being sympathetically ramped up to not ramped up. And when we're ramped up, we hold tension.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and it's a survival, survival-based instinct. And again, when I look at you, it was just, there was tension everywhere. You could not let go of anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, And I knew that. And it was one of those times I was like, yeah, I could take him through some biomechanics stuff. Yeah, I could give him some like really, you know, fancy shoulder correctives and look like a guru. Um, it might make me look really good, but it's not really going to help you. It's going to, it's going to put more on your plate of more, more things that you have to reach for. And when you are already reaching for so many things in life, you needed some low hanging fruit. You need to be told you were okay, that you made sense and that it was okay to just sit
0: yeah, that's so good. Oh my God. I'm getting fired up. I'm getting fucking fired up right now because that is, that is, and I know you don't have a counseling background, but holy shit, you would be so good at it because it is, (laughs) it's, it's just the art and it is, it's an art of knowing that some people are just need to hear that it's okay. And like, it's, it's, it'll be okay. It'll be, we've made it this far. We've made it this far. All right. It's all good. Right. And I think the, the world of, and this is something that I've started to see more and more over the last year, being in the world of bodybuilding, powerlifting, like all these things and talking to all these different people, regardless of where someone is, where they're competing, what they're doing, there's still going to be people. And I think that's one of the best things that you do as a coach and a clinician and you walk into a situation with a toolbox. You don't know what the fuck tool you're going to use yet. You have no idea, but you walk in, you have your toolbox, you sit on the table, you don't open it. You don't open it right away. You just listen and you take that information. And I think this is something that coaches, regardless of what they're doing, need to listen to because you take that information. And then you listen and then you listen again and then you ask more questions and then you keep listening, maybe write some notes, who knows, but you don't know what direction that's going to take, right? Like you're going into the situation being like, okay, I know they said their shoulder hurts, but like it, how many times they're like, oh, my shoulder hurts, but it's like, nah, it's not the shoulder. Like there's, there's something else going on that's negatively impacting how they're feeling, right?
1: Absolutely. There's, um... A couple things there too. I had a mentor who was just so formative for me. He was the one who introduced me to all the the PRI knowledge mm-hmm. that I had. Took I my first PRI course in 2009 oh, um, shit. before I was in PT school. Yeah, before it was like cool to talk about the diaphragm. And the <laughs>
0: before breathing was a thing. <laughs> right before we all started breathing.
1: Um, but for all of his clinical brilliance, I mean, just truly incredibly brilliant clinician. The thing that I respected the very most about him was the fact that he was like, he just stopped and asked one more question Mm -hmm. and it wasn't related. And I think more than being curious, being able to really be present has been an incredible tool for me as a coach, as a clinician, as an athlete. Um, I think that has, Truly, been a huge part of why I've been able to succeed where I have. Um, And what I really, really appreciated about working with him too was he he had a way of knowing, and he always went in trying to like prove himself wrong. So, Mm -hmm. like when when I was talking with you, I had an idea of what was going on with your shoulder again because we'd done all that stuff. We did all the you know things a couple days before. Um, but. You're gonna see if people wanting to sound very very smart on the internet and use really big words and um, just throw a bunch of gobbledygook out there. <laughs> right. The gobbledygook isn't always helpful. Right. And I think what's really really neat and very very powerful <laughs> is the fact that just sitting and listening to someone, like if you if you're really hurting and you have no idea what to do, this is most of my clients. Most of my clients have worked with other PTs, they've worked with mm-hmm. other coaches. Um, and they're all coaches and wanted to sound smart. And I get in a call with them and we talk and I just do a lot of listening and they get off the call and I haven't really said much of anything. And they almost immediately, almost every time send me a message saying, wow, I really feel like we're on the right track. Mm-hmm. I'm like, great. Cause I didn't say anything. Right. It's just being heard. And I think there's a lot of power and acknowledgement. And when we're in a generation where everyone's more interested in having their voice heard than actually helping people that's kind of where my heart breaks mm-hmm. and it's really a catch-22 because i am where i am because i'm good at listening but i'm not where i want to be because i spend so much time listening instead of trying to be important
0: right you know? but and what you had mentioned about uh feeling heard and feeling acknowledged this and this is a, this is something that happened to me that blew my mind because when I was going through the the McGill courses and Dr. McGill's at the front of the room talking about this that and the other thing and I'm in a room full of Kairos, PTs like I'm in a room full of everybody and I'm like I'm the I have there's one other strength coach in the room I'm just like looking around I'm like wow everybody's name tag is way fucking longer than mine those guys really long it <laughs> was like holy shit uh, so I'm sitting there. And I'm just like wearing my full strength coach regalia. I had my nicest beat up sweatpants and a fucking jacked up shirt. And uh, I'd actually had my meniscus torn at the time. I had no idea it was torn then. So I was like hobbling around. It was off. I I looked like I did not belong in that room in my head. But as soon as Dr. McGill was talking about how you address a client and how you talk to somebody who's suffering from some sort of low back pain or any pain at all. He goes, one of the best things you can do is say, hey, your shoulder hurts. Hey, your back hurts. And you just kind of touch them in that spot. And they go right there. And like, you should have seen it. This entire room of doctors, well, like veteran clinicians were writing that down. Touch Mm -hmm. person where they hurt. And I was Mm -hmm. like, what the fuck? (laughs) I was like, how do you not... That's one of the first rules of, of listening is to fucking acknowledge that you were listening, and it, it was it was like a mind blowing event for everybody else in the room. And I was just looking around. I was like, okay, maybe I do deserve to be in here.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, it's such a. There's
0: nothing more powerful
1: to people that are hurting, um, physically or, you know, mentally or emotionally. There's nothing more powerful knowing number one that they're seen and they're accepted where they are in that moment. Mm. Um, and again, this is where my nerd brain, like I love the biomechanics stuff. Like I'm, I'm I love the nervous system. I love talking about the, the, mm-hmm. the nerdy stuff. Like, that totally gets me jazzed up talking about the soft science stuff. It's so important, mm. but it's, it's so draining.
0: Yeah, And yeah. sometimes
1: I feel like as a clinician I feel like as a coaching clinician, our bigger role is just to make sure people feel seen and heard. Mm -hmm. I had somewhere I was going with that, but my, (laughs) uh...
0: (laughs) no, it was, it's good because it is. And I think that's where a lot of people, whether or not they're looking for a coach uh, remotely in person, whatever, like what is coaching? Coaching is you are taking the responsibility to help somebody go to a goal or hit a number yeah. or do a thing but it's it, that's where it's draining you're taking that responsibility you're taking oh, the, it, the good the bad the this it's an enormous the...
1: responsibility mm-hmm. especially when it, when especially when there are people who do hurt and when it's like I want to train but I can't get out of bed right. or I want to train but I can't hold my kid because my shoulder's jacked up so my wife gets on me for training when I can't hold our kid mm-hmm. you know there's, there's so much more that goes into just uh, coaching, um, and I think it's been really interesting about working with my husband a little bit too. To where uh, I think we, we're kind of surrogate coaches for each other. To where we do our own things, um, but because we both operate at a pretty high level, we need each other yeah. around. Yep. I don't know anyone that can speak to me in my training the way that Dave and my best friend's husband Nick can. Mm-hmm. And same goes for him. There's no one that can speak to him the way that I can and Nick can. Um. And I think that in those moments, most people know, like most people inherently know something. They know, they know where they need to go, but hearing it from someone else, when there's so much distrust or mistrust of ourselves on our own information or our gut, and maybe, I don't know about you, but very often I'll find myself asking people questions and rather than telling them what to do, they usually come to their own answer Mm -hmm. and it's usually the right one. Mm
0: -hmm. And it's, it's one of those things too, where you're it makes, it sounds ridiculous, but like, it makes you a better coach because you're, you're asking questions, asking questions and to be totally blunt, you're just trying to gain more information. Absolutely. But at you the same, help me understand. Right. Absolutely. And because you're trying to put yourself as close to the sensations, feelings, emotions, Uh, everything of a different person. You're trying to just put yourself in their shoes, literally, to try to understand their situation through your lens of knowledge, experience, education, all of that. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't think there's a lot of coaches in the world that truly take that position seriously enough because you can really fuck somebody up You can really fuck somebody up real good. Not only talking just physically, like emotionally too. I'm sure you see it being uh, a female in the bodybuilding world. I'm sure you've heard some fucking horror stories of people being just uh, sent down the wrong path.
1: Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting too is like you think about the right path and the wrong path. And, you know, you and I are are speaking from an element of compassion right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, to where you and I, I think have a very, we both have a very kind of nurturing, help me understand mindset mm-hmm. and the harder conversation, well, not the harder mm-hmm. yeah. conversations. More, I'm going to be point blank are the ones where I can, and this is one of the reasons I, I love working with my male clients because I don't have to be feelzy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think as a female, people tend to trust me very easily, which is great. I used to consider being a female disadvantage, but now man, people trust me really easily. Mm-hmm.
2: Awesome.
1: Um, but the conversations where I can just come in and say, look, here's the problem. Here's what you need to do. Great. Um, one of the things I really appreciate about working with Justin, too, and granted, diet is a lot different than movement, right? Mm-hmm. And diet is different than pain. Um, but Justin is the kind of coach where, like, yeah, he'll, he'll support you and he'll tell you what you need to hear. And he coaches people differently. But he's not feels No. You're like, here's here's what you need to eat. Here's the cardio you need to do. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think it's very beneficial, um, and he and I share a lot of clients. I think it's very beneficial to have coaches that play both roles, um, to where you have a coach that says, this is what you gotta do. And then you have another one like you or I, that tends to be a little bit more like, yeah, like nurturing, more, more dialogue. Yeah.
0: It, 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 because I know and it's funny because obviously different strokes for different folks and there's, there's always a, a different world of people that exist in very different realms of what they accept as quality and what they expect. Um, but I do know for a fact that if you are going to put yourself in a position where you are someone's coach, right. And this is, this is directed towards the listeners here. If you're going to help somebody and you reach a point where you realize that you don't know how to help them, You need to put them in touch with somebody that can. I've seen it too often, and I'm sure you've seen it far more, even in the fucking clinical world. Is if you cannot help somebody, you need Uh, to know where your limitations are.
1: And you need to walk the walk. Mm -hmm. I'm really tired of coaches who want to be PTs. I'm tired of PTs who think they're coaches. Yes. But have competed at anything or have competed at, like, quite frankly, I don't want to be an elitist, but have competed at a very low level. Mm -hmm. Like doing two local powerlifting meets ever in your life and saying you have like one small state record and a federation no one gives a fuck about <laughs> sorry
0: yeah 100%. i'm gonna put
1: my credibility above yours oh yeah
0: no and absolutely and, that, and i think that's, that that's what
1: that sounds egotistical but like this is my whole heart i have literally put my body on the line in so many different circumstances and in so many different sports mm-hmm. because i want to understand what goes into all elements of everything mm-hmm. um and i think that the the practical lab work of training is really what that is is every day you're, or not every day but maybe every three months six months a year you're looking at what the data tell, tells you mm-hmm. and so to me as someone who has chosen to sacrifice a lot of other things to be great at this nothing grinds my gears more grinds my gears right <laughs> you know what
0: grinds my gears
1: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> cool. please get the reference yeah uh, Nothing buys my gears more than people who haven't put in the work or the time um, and don't know their own limitations.
0: Yeah. And and I've gotten uh, – I've talked to several local clinicians back in Rhode Island when I was, like, just starting coaching and whatnot because, like, I never want to be the person that is just making shit up. Like, I never, ever, ever, ever – I never want to be in a position where – I'm hurting somebody or I'm making something worse. Even the language I use. And I think language is super, super important, especially with okay. when, when you're working with the people that, that you work with. Um, it's one of those things where I will never say, cause I am not a clinician. I am never going to diagnose anything. I am never going to tell you that this is going to fix anything. All I live in the world of, Hey, let's try this thing. Does it make you feel better? Cool. Like, that's it. Like, that's where I live. I live. Does this make you feel better? Have you had multiple good days in a row? Cool. No. All right. Cool. Clinician time. Danny help. Like, <laughs> I don't know. like, I just, I think that even going into it, knowing like, I'm not trying to fix anything. I can help people with behavior change. I can help people with accountability. I can help people with motivation and getting them to, to do the thing they're supposed to do. But I'm never, as a coach, I'm never saying like, oh, it's definitely this. This, You need to do this because this is broken. It's like, fuck that noise. Absolutely not. Like, I know I have a very clear line that I do not cross with with the people I work with. And as soon as I feel, even come close to that line, I've, I've reached out to you a million times. I'm just like, this person's fucked up. I don't know. I don't know what to do. You fix it. Help. Like <laughs> I don't I don't want to make this situation worse. It's like
1: the only thing differentiates between that you know, point is the fact that I've I've just got a little bit more school. But like even as a clinician, if you're coming in under the assumption of you know exactly what to do, like yeah, you're gonna have an idea, of course. Like experience sure. does help and like yes, there's research research, and like you're gonna be able to make some some more educated decision making, but like in terms of how it's applied, especially over the internet, a lot mm-hmm. of it is trial and error. Right. And um I think that's where it's kind of like, probably shouldn't be saying this uh, on a podcast, but <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of times when people come me with a problem, I'm like, I have no idea how I'm gonna, I have no idea what to do here, but I'm going to start them in the, I'm gonna, again, come back to first principles. Yes, yes. and I, that's that's
0: what I wanted you to come back to, was understanding that it's less about a step-by-step process, and it's more about understanding the principle of like, what the fuck is going on.
1: Right. And recognizing too that like, this is this is my one of my favorite things.
0: Just because something should behave a certain
1: way doesn't mean it's going to. Mm-hmm. So like when we were when I was Elite in January, um, we had Justin doing a, a promo, right? Now anyone in their mind in their mom is going to say if you do a row, you should feel your back. And I can tell you, Justin was feeling his back. That
0: right? was bu- that was, was so funny to
1: see. He's to your doubt. He's like, yeah, I don't feel my back. I'm like, you're yeah, kidding. <laughs> Um, and so I think it's a great example of how, like, just because something should behave a certain way, and this is where you need to find This is where like the really great coaches and the really great clinicians can split hairs, mm-hmm. the really, really good ones. Um, just because something should respond a certain way, doesn't mean it's going to, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean you've done anything wrong as a coach. Doesn't mean you've done anything wrong as a clinician. The only wrong you can do at that point is keep trying to beat that nail in mm-hmm. with something that doesn't work. And that really the only thing you can do wrong is not be willing to pivot if need be
0: right and i think that was cool for me to see on my end is to see you in the coach clinician role but then i see justin who i've watched for years i'm like oh this guy must have complete and utter control of every muscle in his body (laughs) at all times right but you can't figure way he grabs <laughs> Holy <ball. laughs> shit. That was still, I still laugh about that to this day. Um, But it, it was just there. And, but that's, that's props to him too, because granted he has spent countless hours training, countless hours, helping people, coaching, doing all that. And he was still like, Oh, that's really cool. I don't think I've ever felt this in my life, <laughs> but he was so objectively just, just cool with learning and i think that's one of the best th- qualities of just having you two at the at the same time there at, at elite was somebody would say something someone would add something else someone would add a different point of view and all of a sudden it was this like cyclone of information rolling around and then i would blank and four hours would go by and i'm like i don't know where the fuck yeah. i've been
1: well i think that's that's another great indicator of someone who's a really good coach right and that's something that in starting team troponin has been the coolest thing, I, I mean, the amount of respect that Dave and I have for Justin is he has been more a mentor to us um, than I think he will ever fully be able to know and realize. But even just in the three of us working together, um, when you see someone who's that high achieving, that educated, that um, successful, continuing to ask questions, you can't help but notice that, like, why am I not asking questions? Right. Why, like, why, um, and That's been the cool thing about being a destination, too, is like there are very different people here. There are some people who want to be very important and want to be the authority, mm-hmm. and there are people who want to learn. And it's cool for me because I'm around coaches who I'm like, "Hey, like I can actually learn something from people here." We're like in Fort Collins, quite frankly, like we were, you know, medium-sized fish in a small pond. Right here, we're like smoosh, medium fish in a larger pond. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um. <laughs> it's been really fun being able to learn and grow and actually later today, I'm getting ready to probably go film something with another, um, buddy of mine who is also a coach, but he's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's always really interesting to me. Like you can tell right away if someone's more interested in being heard or if they're more interested in making the industry better.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good, good. We yeah. <laughs> well, I just, I, I, one of the biggest things that i wanted to do especially with this podcast and and props for the opportunity to work at elite and to be part of the table talk it was a really cool opportunity but i wanted to continue having these conversations and sharing people's stories and information like uh-huh. like i told you when you were out there i was like this shit isn't about me at all like uh-huh. i am a conduit to help people learn about you to help learn about justin to help learn about everybody that came out And I took that so seriously and I was like, how can we better portray and just showcase this person's skill and their experience? Because at the end of the day, like I have learned so much from you. I've learned so much from Justin. I've learned so much from everybody I've been able to have these conversations with. I want young me to have access to learn these people and grow and develop because if you told me two years ago i would get to have a conversation with you i would get to do videos with you and i would get to do videos with justice i would be like what the (laughs) fuck like what like this change (laughs) no no, but it was like it was it it was just not even on the table of like i always thought like oh it'd be cool if i did this thing like but like i had no fucking idea how to do it i had no fucking idea how to get there All I did is I was like, I'm just going to keep coaching people and like making friends. I don't know. (laughs) It seemed and it seemed to work out. But now like I'm at a point where I understand how impactful a single conversation recorded or a video can be for somebody else. And it's like if I'm going to tack my name on it, like I really, really want it to provide value for somebody else which is so cool about you, uh, your husband and Justin are doing with team troponin and like you're, you're putting your fucking money on the table and being, listen, we're doing this fucking thing Uh where we are. There is a, there is a gap in the fitness world. There's a gap in the coaching world. There's a gap in the clinical world. And we are going to shut the fuck up and do it because like, that's it. And like, that's the fucking coolest thing. And that's so, I get so fucking excited And my New England's coming out, every other fucking word is fucked. Like I just get fired up because you see so many people in this realm, in this world, that are take, 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 take. And it's like, no. Like you have to give. You have to water the fucking plants that you're given, right? Like you have to put the work in. You have to put the time in. And you guys are doing it. And like I'm pumped to see what information you guys come up with. And I wanna be used as a test dummy. Rip me apart, share all of my information on how broken all my shit is. And that's fine because someone else can learn from it. And I think that sort of selfless behavior is what the industry needs more and more of as opposed to this, look at me, look how great I am, bullshit. Sorry, totally. rant over. All right, go.
1: <laughs> like literally as you're sitting here talking, all I can think about is the fact that there's a heartbeat behind that. And if you don't love this and you don't have a why behind it, other, I mean, everyone always like, wants to talk about who like the why. But like, I think it's become such a, a devalued and um, diluted word because mm-hmm. it's become popular. But like, truly, if you think about your why for things, I mean, for me, I want I want to raise the bar in this industry. I yeah. want people to know that there's, there's someone that will help them get to bridge the gap and merge together their performance and their therapy. I want someone to know what it looks like to see a marriage that leans into each other. During all these trials, I want I want people to know what it's like for white to support her husband and elevate her husband. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm all about women accomplishing great things. Obviously, I care a lot about that. But I also want to be someone who people can look at and say, wow, like she adores her husband. Look like, at what we'll they're building together. Mm. Um, it's so much more than just X. Anytime you put the word just in front of anything, what, what a diluting word. What oh, yeah. a deflating, robbing word. I mean, just just (laughs) right so um (laughs) and um i think what's been really really fun about team troponin is that the three of us really have a similar heartbeat Mm. and a similar vision and we're very very different people um but it has been really cool this is the first time i've had a business partnership with someone um and it's been really really cool to see Where that's gone and granted all three it's not where we want it to be right now at all (laughs) um we've had some technical errors along the way but um it's been really cool to see where that's gone um and even just to kind of embrace the chaos a little bit i guess for lack of a better word
0: yeah and i think and it's funny you had mentioned it's not where you want it to be granted i don't think it will ever be where you want it to be ever but that's that's part of it right because of the fact that you know As soon as it gets to whatever thing you want it to look like, blah, 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 there's going to be a new opportunity for you to help somebody else in a new way. And then you're like, all right, fuck it. We're going that way too. It's like, now we're just doing this thing. So I want to, before uh, this podcast is over, I want to say that the work you guys are doing is amazingly important. And I've told you this off air. I've told you this all the time. What you're doing is wildly important not just for the fitness world or the clinical world but for people in general to see the the real give a shit that you guys have that you put into it that you care about each other you care about the client you care about the outcome you care about the people that you work with and again I think it's it's that was one of the biggest things is I wanted to showcase when I got to work with you at elite it was like I need to showcase that these people really fucking care and they're really fucking good at what they do.
1: That's really cool to hear. Thanks for saying so. You know, I think, again, I hate to keep bringing the conversation back to Justin, but I think about, you know, very pivotal moments and people who have been pivotal for me. And I mentioned my clinical mentor from, um, you know, over, what, 12, 13 years ago now. Um, And Justin has been another one who has influenced dave and i tremendously mm-hmm. um and in seeing how much he really cares about people he's incredibly busy I, I, he's got so many clients and he runs many different businesses and he's got family. Yes, he i mean i don't know how the man gets anything done yeah, right <laughs> the fact that he does what he does because he actually cares mm-hmm. if you don't care about what you're doing no matter what it is you're gonna burn out yeah um but I think that the caring is what has changed our trajectory mm-hmm. uh, tremendously. You know, I think about my first show and, like, being honest, the first show I, I did with Justin, I wasn't actually planning on doing the show. Really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, I'll do I'll do a, a fizzy show, <laughs> whatever. But, like, I totally expected to bail, like, ten weeks yeah. out. sure, because sure. I was, I was, like, coming off of these seizures and the additive tendon tear and a whole bunch of other things. And, um, but there was a a check-in that I got back from him that really just kind of lit the fire in me. And, um, obviously the tabella that show turned pro the show after that. Um, and the amount of forward momentum, Mm -hmm. um, that I've gotten has been largely because of what he has done for Dave and myself and just encouraging us to take the action, right. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, people always want to talk about like how do how do you become successful? How do you get to be where you want to be? I've had a lot of people reach out to me, um, PT students or you know, recent grads but say, hey, like how do you get to you know be where you want to be? How do I get to coaching? How do I get to be a PT for iron sport athletes? And at some point it comes down to reverse engineering and making the decision. And you have to make the decision today that's going to put you in the position tomorrow, even when you don't want to. Um, that doesn't mean working twenty-two hours on a twenty-four hour day. It might, it mm-hmm. might not. Um but you have to be willing to, again, every event is a decision, period, will stop. Yeah. Um, and I think people, they say they want to be something. They say they want to get somewhere. And at the end of the day, you are either your own biggest asset or your own biggest roadblock.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And until someone can wrap their mind around that, they're not going to get to where they want to be. That's probably one of the biggest things that I look at with my clients, too. Because I can't tell you how many people I make their Loom video. And I'm like, dude, I hate to say it, but... The reason you're not where you want to be right now isn't because of anything other than the fact that you chose not to do X or you chose to do something totally
0: different. Mm-hmm. And I um, think, and I think something to kind of add to that as well is, and, and something you do tremendously well is, you do not take for granted any of your clients. You're never thinking there's gonna be more. Like you're, you're so invested in your people that you're like N equals one. Like, I help this person. Cool. And then I get help to this, give help to this person. And, but you're never like, eh, I'll just get more clients. Like, that's just not a fucking thought. But you see it. You see it everywhere. It's just people are assholes or they're just giving cookie cutter bullshit or like whatever it may be. And they don't realize like, okay, maybe the phone will stop ringing or the emails will stop coming in. Then what? You know? Yeah. The,
1: I'm not going to lie like one of the things I've looked at with my business mentors, like for a while, I kind of had a little bit of a scarcity mindset, of like oh, I can't lose a client. Um, but I shifted away from that, and I think at the root, at the root of that was really that I don't want to like it would. It literally hurts my heart if someone starts, stops working with me. Right. Um, there. I mean, obviously, no one should work with me for forever, right? But yeah. the goal is to graduate them or to have like a good reason, like, hey, um, you know, financial this year, I've budgeted this much, great, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, yeah actually being fully invested in my clients to probably to my own detriment if i'm being very honest and that's
0: probably yeah we've talked big, about that
1: <laughs> yeah and it and it's hard because you're right i mean in especially with the market the way it is and the economy doing what it is coaching at the level that you and i coach at is expensive
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it should be um, and usually when i tell people my prices at first they're kind of like whoa, wait, what? But then I show them the product. I'm like, okay, just, yeah, that makes sense.
0: But um, I do so have I think, to also say that I am, a, and your business coach, I know your business coach, and he's going to absolutely agree with me when I say this. I think your prices should be more.
1: Yeah, he said the same. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that really goes to show that, like, for most people, I think my retention rate think i've lost one client in the last two years wow Mm
0: -hmm. that's real good
1: and it's because she had a major major turn of events in her life Mm -hmm. Uh, okay maybe two but it was also for like a big yeah yeah um and i think that goes to show that like if you're choosing a coach you want to be able to choose a coach that walks a walk and Mm -hmm. that's one of the things i love about you so much sam is that Obviously you have the, you know, the biopsychosocial model, like you care about people, there's an element of compassion, but beyond that, you're still active in your training, you're still Mm -hmm. active in your competing, you're still actively learning and growing, and you understand what it means to identify a gap between where you are and where you want to be. And that frustration, that gap is what allows us as coaches to connect with our people, because if we don't feel that frustration, if we don't sense that gap, there's a disconnect between the product and the service that we're offering Mm -hmm. and the life that we live. And if you don't have that connection, it's really, really hard, I think, to actually meet your clients where they are.
0: Mm. It, oh, that's so fucking good. Now I'm going to take that from you. Um, so and, and also to go into the clinical side of things for you as well is, is I think the people that, let, let me back up, pain, real pain is a fucking nightmare yes a total nightmare it doesn't matter where the pain is low back pain shoulder pain elbow when you're really in pain you want to do everything you can to get the fuck out of pain right and and it's and it's funny because when i when i have uh, a client or somebody i know that's in pain there's a very short list of people that i talk to and like it's pretty much you so there is when people don't realize or have that, and the pain is a gap, right? There is a reason that pain exists. And it's just a more a, a violent gap compared to training, right? Unless somebody's really gone through something like that, they won't know the value that you can give to them because they just don't have that language. They don't have that sort of a background or that understanding of what you're what you as the clinician is actually doing and that's why i still think your prices need to fucking go up (laughs) because as someone who has been in pain i had my fucking si joint tweaked so hard i couldn't walk i couldn't sit i could there was no comfortable position i was like if you can if you can find somebody that can cut this fucking leg off and i'll never feel this pain again i would do it right and i imagine that you have clients at all over different levels, but they appreciate the level of care that you give them due to their situation. Right. And they, they respect it and they're like, Holy shit, this is a hundred percent worth it because mm. pain is the worst, like real pain, not like a nagging meh, but like something really fucking hurts. It's like, it stops your world. Like it's all you can think about. Right. And it, and I want you to kind of talk into that a little bit, but, One of the biggest things that Dr. McGill has taught us is like people start to associate their personality with their low back pain. They start to build their reality around their pain. They start to expect it. They start to search for it. And that's one of the things that happens is like once they start feeling better, they go digging to try to find it again and to try to, because they feel comfort in knowing the pain is there. It sounds fucked up, but they kind of do is they're so used to it. It's been there for so long that it's like part of their personality or part of who they are.
1: Absolutely. Oh my God, there's so many things I can say. So remind me to come back to PRI, impingement stability. Okay. Um, But the other component of that too is just that like with pain, two things, Um pain usually feels like chaos, right? And as a clinician and as a coach, our jobs are to bring order to chaos. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. We give people a plan. Here's what you gotta do. Great. Okay, cool. Um with regards to pain becoming a part of who you are, you're right. It's it becomes every experience we have, think about habits, right? Like how many days does it take to form a habit? Thirty days, something like that. Mm-hmm. If your pain has become a habit, that habit is now a part of you. It is now harder to be out of pain than it mm-hmm. is to be in pain. Right. People forget that. People forget that like the more you've done something, whether it's a positive Positive or negative. At some point, it's it's self serving, right? Even pain is self serving in a way, Right. Uh, telling your body that something needs to change. Um, we, that's a whole pain science discussion we could get, get into, totally nerd out over. But um, what was I saying? Oh my god, caffeine broncade.
0: <laughs> uh, you were talking about the uh, sort of well, you were talking about pain in general, how they had to unlearn pain, and how you were
1: right. So, I mean. This is one of the things I look at with people too, if they've been in pain for training for a long time, it's like, we have to break that cycle somehow. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's really fancy, like, cool. Let me show you some really cool tricks. Sometimes it's really as simple as like, how do you do what you do? I'm like, I give them something totally different so that they can't, they can't be in their, their pattern of like, you know, let's say someone walks in and the first thing they do every session is they do some dead bugs and then they go squat. Right. And every time they do their dead bugs and they squat, they still have pain. You have to interrupt that cycle somehow. And it's all a series of events and our brain is so hardwired to hang on to these series of events because again, it's, it's safety, right? It's repetition. It's, um, it's patterns. It's so much of the day to day. And the more often you feel pain, again, we could talk a ton about the afference approaching the brain and how the brain gives these, this efferent output. Um, but the, the TLDR of that is that the more you feel it, the more it becomes your kind of home base. And if that's become your home base, it's a lot harder to shift that than it is to just live in that. Right. Now, PRI stands for Postural Restoration Institute. They were one of the big people that, you know, I think they put out the first course in like 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. No, it was probably before that, it was probably the late 90s, um, where they started looking at the influence of the human body being asymmetrical and how the nervous system is going to modulate based on the afferent in input we give it given the fact that we tend to be right-sided preference anyway.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, People love to shift their weight to the right. Great. We get that afferent input approaching the brain. That shifts our brain's perception of things. Um, That becomes our new home base. We are right lateralized. Not everyone. Just an example. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things that they've looked at in their impingement stability course was really, really groundbreaking for me. Was the idea of impingement and instability serving as a reference center. Mm. You take someone with a hip impingement, where maybe they're impinging because of an instability somewhere whether it's up or down the chain at the foot of the ankle i don't i don't really care we could again there are a billion different scenarios we can talk about there but that impingement becomes the reference center that impingement is what tells them where they are in space that impingement is what becomes their afferent information approaching the brain telling them this is where you are mm-hmm. this is where you need to be this is your home base and it could be the same thing for back pain um And it's just such an interesting cycle of habituation.
0: That's fuck it. Like, but it's, that's something you had mentioned to me when Justin was doing lap pull downs and you were, you, it was so fucking cool. Now it all makes sense. Now I'm like all fired up again. So you were mentioning reference centers for him for that exercise and you were talking about how he was determining where he was in space. I forgot what, what part of his body it was. But once you said that, I could see him almost grasping at the world around him from, I th- I don't know if it was like his foot or something. Like there was something, it, but he was originating the tension throughout his body from that one point. Yep. And it was just to know that and to see that it, it's like, you can't, you can't unring a bell right? Like once you see it, you can't unsee it. And that itself has helped tremendously. And even the conversations I've had with clients and and people I've seen in person to just look at them again, more information is always better. And if you understand where this person is with their ability to see and feel the world around them, it really starts to paint a better picture on how you can better Facilitate their, in your case, their plan of care. But in my, in in our case, again, is like their training is like you. If you know they're driving all of their tension through this particular means, it's like yeah, no shit, something around there hurts. Like duh, like that's where all their force is going. You know,
1: it's one of those things where uh, I talked earlier about how someone who's been coaching a long time, like. You know, diet coach can look at someone and say, there's just an innate quality that they can't necessarily articulate. Mm. And all the evidence based nerds out there who've never actually gotten results with people are just like, well, there's that
2: article. <laughs> yeah,
1: when you start getting people the same results as someone who's been doing this 20 years, cool, they'll make a talk. But, yeah, right. Uh, sorry, that was a little soapbox. No,
0: I like it. I like it. Rip it up. That's
1: one of those, with the idea of referencing and proprioception. At any given point in time, whether someone realizes it or not, they have to absolutely have to tether themselves to something to tell them where they're in space mm-hmm. they're they're doing it subconsciously most likely um anyone know, says that you know proprioception and being able to feel something is or isn't a big deal yes and no like you know we could split that hairs into you know hypertrophy versus like you know rehab or training mm-hmm. or anything else um that would be a, you know an hour-long conversation in and of itself but one of the first things i look at when i'm watching my athletes videos especially if it's a newer athlete that i'm like just starting with is i'm gonna look at where they're referencing where they are tethering to because Mm -hmm. that's going to tell me so much about how they move and it's going to tell me where they like to overuse it's also going to tell me where we need to correct and the simple things that i can give them to change their reference center now again i'm going to come back to pri because they talk about certain reference centers like the issues and heels um you know big toe Mm um right arch things like that but even in powerlifting. Like you watch someone unwrap the bar, and if they're tethering themselves to the bar on a squat rather than to the floor, how's that going to go?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Same idea, right? And you can tell when someone unwraps a bar and they walk it out. You can tell if they're more connected to the bar and like thinking more about like the more aware of what's going on here or the floor underneath them. Mm-hmm. And there's not evidence for that, but there's a visual quality that as a coach. If you've been around long enough, you can see. And um, what you're tethering yourself to is 100% of the time going to dictate how you move, when you move, and how confident you are. Mm. If you're tethering to something unstable, you are not probably shouldn't be real confident.
0: Well, right. Yeah, and it, and I think that I, the idea of stability in general is is such an amazing topic because we saw it in the video that we did about my shoulder. It's like I had pain through a certain range you just slapped me on a bench and all of a sudden that range increased and my pain-free range increased. You didn't change anything. You didn't cue anything. You didn't change it. Like our bodies are so smart and they are so perceptive of the world around, or they should be right. (laughs) They have sort of a, a reference point to the world around us. And it's, and it's, it's so fascinating, that's why I as a coach, I am forever like having conversations with you and and like trying to learn as much as I can because this shit is kind of new
1: it's so complicated too yeah. I mean everything I just keep thinking about how dumb I am
0: every I day me fucking too I wake up and I'm just like I'm a fucking I'm moron <laughs>
1: Why do people pay me for this?
0: Yeah. I'm like, I'm just like a gorilla throwing my own poop at this point. <laughs>
1: much, yeah, just throw it at a wall and see if it sticks. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, it's it really is it's fascinating. And I think all we're seeing, and if you listen to like the Huberman podcast or mm-hmm. any of the other that wanted to talk about like the neuroscience behind things, you really start to appreciate that there's nothing that we can do or say or or look at and and be done in isolation. It really kind of gets you thinking about you know, the research and obviously again, like I I'm all for research and evidence-based things, for but sure. I have to wonder, uh, you know, the limitations and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just always blown away at the, uh, ego mm-hmm. that a lot of people really like to have. And if, if you think you know it all, or if you think, you know, enough, Um, you know, I hope at some point you feel like the sheet gets pulled out from under you.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the thing too, right? Like you can even look at, say you had a client for two, three years, right? Like every time, every time you see something new, something different, you're like, what the fuck is that? You learn something and all of a sudden now you can look at it through that that lens. Yep. How did I miss
1: that? I find myself saying that all the time. And it's not like it makes me a bad clinician or a bad coach for missing something. It's just that there's so many other layers, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think, honestly, I think that's why I have really, really good client retention.
0: And and I think it's 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 definitely one of those things too. Is if you find yourself as a coach or a clinician, and you're like, oh, it's the same thing. Here we go. Just do this. It's like mm, you didn't you didn't really cut through that as deep as you should have. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I it's, it's I just get so I every time I you're like a a battery for me. Like you're like a charging port for me. Like I get so fired up. I'm like I'm going to fucking read a book. I'm going to fucking read a book after this. This <laughs> but I do think that yeah. that's one of the things that I think as coaches we need to have a tribe, right? Like it's we need to have a group around us that is constantly not necessarily like in a negative way pushing us you know, or, ch- but there needs to be a challenge. There needs to be the people around you. You're looking at, like, I never want to be the fucking smartest person in the room. I'm the only, I am, this is the only room I'm the smartest person in because I'm physically the only fucking person in this room. And there's a cat next to me that I'm still kind of on the fence about being smarter than, but, <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's one of those things that you do such a good job of is you never, if you're teaching something to somebody, you never make them feel dumb. You always include them as part of the conversation, which is hard, especially for a lot of clinicians I've spoken to and that I've been looking at. I'm like, this fucking guy thinks I'm an idiot. Like, he doesn't assume I know anything. And it's, and it's, it really takes the wind out of my sails, like as a coach, especially because if, if Dr. McGill is sending me people to work with, And it's like, I have to talk with their doctors and their doctors thinks I'm a fucking dumb meathead that doesn't know anything. And then I start asking questions and all of a sudden they're like, oh shit. Like they, he kind of knows a little bit, but it's, it's one of those things that I think it's this hierarchy that happens as opposed to realizing it's like, we need to fucking work together because look at any sort of professional sports team. There is no such thing as a hierarchy of care for those athletes. It's you have the strength coaches, you have your ATs, you have your fucking PTs, you have your team doctors, you have a team surgeons. And when there's something that's going on, they all sit in a room and they all have a conversation about it.
1: It's interesting hearing you say that. I think because one thing I'm very, very sensitive to, and this is actually a big pain point for me that I have, I have a really hard time talking about, um, is... I I mentioned earlier that I feel like as a female in bodybuilding and in strength sports, I'm not taken nearly seriously as as, um, some of my male counterparts. Um, I think some of that comes with a level of inherent authority. I think some of that comes with a level of confidence. Mm -hmm. But I think that at the end of the day, we gravitate towards people that we're most like. And um, this world is predominantly dude and something that i'm very very hypersensitive to actually is we'll be someplace and um someone of an injury question or a training question and don't get me wrong with like, my husband is brilliant mm. like i hear him talking about training and I'm like, oh my god like just the way he deconstructs things is so different than how my brain works he's an engineer oh, so yeah. he has that like, logical linear thinking i mean that's just where he operates and then on top of that he's a He's one of the few people i've met that makes me feel really really dumb like he's just he's brilliant
2: mm-hmm.
1: but we'll be talking about training and i think that for the most part i think there are a lot of ways in that i have a much more educated um line of thought to provide people mm-hmm. and even in the form of injury consult people will, will be standing right next people to each other people will always go to day first always and Dave's like, my wife's right here. She's a doctor. Yeah, yeah she... <laughs> <laughs> um, And it's it's something that because I feel like, and even destination, like I have some friends and coaches who are dudes who I feel talked down to me mm. because they don't know me well enough. They don't know what I've done. They don't know my knowledge. They don't know, like, I'm just now after, you know, being around for a hot minute, just now getting to the point where I'm like, fuck, like I'm smarter than 99% of the people out there. I'm better at helping oh, yeah. people than 99% of the people out there. What like why am I deferring to people? Um, and it's it's been a, a challenge, um, to kind of step back from that situation. And number one, not take it personally um, because this is my heart and soul. Mm-hmm. Like I identify so much with what I do. I don't know if you've taken the Enneagram test, but I'm an Enneagram three, and I I am like full on three, like high achiever. My job is my identity. Like it's it's all of me. Mm-hmm um and i even told you know dave and Justin on our podcast last week like i go to the olympian and get top five and no one would give a shit. and the first thing they do is say one dave competing next and that is so hard for me yeah. so i think when coming to educate people given that it's such a sensitive topic for me to feel like i'm looked at as less than mm-hmm. or not good enough or not you know on the same level as people despite you know whatever i've accomplished i always want to make people feel like they're hurt i always want to make people feel like they're included and um it really makes me happy to hear you say that you feel like i do a good job of that because that's something I'm, i really try to be intentional about that's probably why i get so pissed off when i hear people you know, trying to use big words for the sake of using big oh, words Jeez, yeah no
2: uh, I'm like,
1: number one it doesn't leave anyone feeling better um just leaves people feeling confused dumb um and number two like hi can you put your ego aside for half a second
0: yeah it's like do you want to be right or do you want to help people you know what i mean that's yeah. Oh, absolutely. That was on a... January. Mm. Yeah, that and that's it. Th- having that sort of perception, and I think I've always uh, connected more with people that have struggled, right? Like people that have gone through some shit or are working through stuff. Like I've just always connected with people that have have had hardships, right? And mm-hmm. I cannot fathom how frustrating it would be to be in that situation. It's like you have literally climbed your way to the top of powerlifting, bodybuilding, the clinical world, right? Like you, d- when I think of intelligent people, I'm like, Hmm, I would say doctors and clinicians are pretty fucking smart at the things they do. Right. Not all of them are on the same level, whatever, but like to, n- purposefully talk to somebody in a ma- in a manner to make them feel less than not only does that showcase how weak somebody is right but it also showcases how small-minded and ego-driven mm-hmm. they are and that shit drives me insane yeah insane for sure. and this is the field like the health fitness field and the clinical side, obviously there are, you've run into some fucking real asshole doctors I imagine in your life. Um too. but yeah, right. But I think at the end of the day is good coaches, good clinicians will take the time to have you be heard, understand your situation, want to fucking help you, and if they're in a position where they can't help you, want to put you in a position where someone else can. And I think, long story short, like you are a glowing example of what coaches, male or female, should be like. Because this is one of the most important things that I want people to take out of this episode. Is if you're working with somebody and they, you don't get the vibe that they give a shit,
1: move on. Yeah, there's so many people who do. Move on.
0: Because there's nothing worse than not being, as an athlete not being truly cared for by the people that you invest your money and time into, but also as a human being to not be valued for what situations that you're in. It's just, it really fucking pisses me off because we see it. We see bad coaches. We see bad coaches that are, oh fuck, I don't even want to get into the whole bodybuilding thing, but like you see some real fucking bad coaches that really hurt people, hurt. And I'm going to say it, Fucking kill people right and it's like why why was that a thing why did that happen where was the disconnect if i'm ever in a position as a strength coach where it's like oh my client might die i really fucked up
1: <laughs> yeah if you, if you put your wallet ahead of their well-being that's a problem that's a problem
0: that's a big problem holy shit i'm like now i'm like all fired up this is perfect Damn, dude <laughs> Um, one last question I wanted to give you before, uh, we end this, how can athletes coach, uh, not even coaches, athletes, powerlifters, whatever, find a clinician either online or in their area that won't talk down to them, won't assume the worst won't, you know, will give them the time of day and really give them the help that they deserve. What are your thoughts on that?
1: That's a really hard question to answer.
0: I know. That's why Um, I asked you not me.
1: Well, wish there was an easier one. Um, First thing I'm going to tell people is that if you're looking for a PT, especially one that's local, you need to look for one that's not working with insurance.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, It's going to cost you more money. But, you know, if you think about it, you can go and pay a $50 copay or more to be seen a couple times a week by someone who doesn't care. Or you can pay $150 for an hour with someone that does. Um, And it's not convenient, but, it's your choice, and I hear people all the time saying, "Oh, I wasted all my money working with this person." I'm like, he chose to. Mm-hmm. Probably had all the red flags, <laughs> um, but I would say stay out of in the, the insurance network, um, and talk to people around you. Like, whether it's there's so many options for people local and remote that you know, if you've got a buddy who had an issue, talk to him, see who he worked with. And mm-hmm. maybe if, maybe it's someone local, maybe they're like, Hey, like I found this person on Instagram. Maybe I found this person on TikTok. Um, Red flags to me are people who spend who number one, don't actually send you any sort of face to face type of communication, whether it's mm-hmm. in person or room video or something like that. Um, don't spend at least, you know, 30, 40 minutes, just dialoguing with you Mm -hmm. um, and who if you look at their social media provide a lot of the quick fixes those to me are red flags
0: damn that's part i mean i think if anybody has taken anything out of this I, i i think people need to realize that their standard of care can always get better absolutely regardless clinical training whatever like you can always find somebody that will give a shit about you uh, if you're not feeling as if you're being uh, supported in the way that you should. So Danny,
1: and that's not an unreasonable ask.
0: No, absolutely not. hundred percent. And I agree no, with you with the whole uh, insurance thing. Cause I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand on myself. It's like, you go to a PT office and there's one PT and then like a PTA that is like kind of looking at you, but you got like seven people in an hour coming in and it's like, Oh, how many did you do? 10. Cool. Here's another band. Like I, I've seen it and I've experienced it and it sucks because like, it just makes you feel, first off, it makes you feel kind of stupid for being in that position is like, fuck, I really shouldn't have accidentally slipped on that puddle and put myself in the hospital with a broken leg. You know what I mean? But like, it doesn't provide you with that. Like I'm getting better. Like this is helping me. I just kind of feels like you're in a mill, just kind of going through the motion. Um, so Danny, first and foremost, thank you very much for jumping on with me today. Um, this is always, this is always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. Always a blast. I always learn something and I know everybody that's listening to this is going to learn something. So where can everybody find and stalk you? <laughs>
1: Um, you can find me on the IFBB Chicago pro Station. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can find me at, um, I'm at Danny LaMartina DPT on Instagram. Um, you can find me at team is a site that I run with Dave and Justin. Um, and you can email me at Danny at merge dot And
0: guys, honestly, if you are an athlete, a powerlifter, and something is really bugging you, uh, physically and like you've been struggling to kind of get better, honestly, talk to Danny, please, for the love of God, because she will not only be able to give you the care that you need, but she, she's been there. She's done it. And, uh, she is, she has worked with amazing people. She has done amazing things herself, an absolute, super accomplished athlete, super accomplished clinician. I cannot, speaker praises enough. So if something hurts, if you have a boo-boo, please talk to Danny.
1: Picture <laughs> sort of ouchies. Yeah. Sam, thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate you having me on.
0: Awesome. Uh thanks guys and we'll see you in the next one. Danny, holy shit. So fucking good. I'm fucking fired up. Uh I I do have an idea for you. I know this is gonna be like another business idea. All right, you need to get PTs underneath you. Okay, train, do whatever the fuck, have them come out to you because I know young PTs that would do that. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, no, I'm not talking about like, just the act of physical therapy. I'm talking about what you do, like really, like really getting fuck. I would love to see an entire just team of young women that are kicking ass in this realm. And you have helped them get to that point because I'm sure, oh fuck, now I'm getting fired up again. I am sure that there are other women that are young versions of you that are uncertain, not taken seriously, and not given the opportunity to excel. So...
2: mm-hmm
0: okay well i guess maybe instead of i would say then you just need to find i'm gonna use the term fucking minions right like you need to be like young you yeah like a hundred percent because i think your biggest skill set is obviously the, the amount of care that you give people but also your fucking network is so big And I know for me, anytime somebody gets fucked up, I immediately go, Danny, 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 Danny. I know. Danny, I have another idea just kicked on. I even think that you should have all aspects of the recovery channel. Like you have the clinical side, but then you also have the coaches that line up with your what you do. So it's like, you got it on all ends. Yeah. Yeah. hmm I think it's a good idea. Anything, any, yeah. And, and like I said, anything that I can do, honestly, to help, to support, to point people in your direction, because like I said, Well, well, fuck. (laughs) No, I I do. I appreciate that. But like I said, I I really think I get whenever I see my friends in a position where there's this opportunity around them, I'm like, you need to fucking do that thing. All right, everybody, come here. Come here. Go do this thing. We need to fucking do this thing. No, I get it. Yeah, well, you're going to fucking kick ass in a few weeks here. Um, And, oh, there's no fucking hoping. You're going to... You just... You're a fucking surgeon. You go in, execute, do the thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Yeah. First off, I'm also fucking pumped I get to see you at Swiss. So, yeah. I... uh, yeah, it's going to be I'm just going to take my we're going to do another podcast in person when you're at Swiss, by the way. Yeah, I I'm going to bring my recorder and a couple mics and I'm just going to fucking I'm going to do this, but like in person and it's going to be great. Oh yeah. No, I'm always I I have so many topics that I want to get in deeper with you that I think people will benefit from. I didn't even touch on like a third of the things I wanted to fucking talk to you about. Because I think there are so many opportunities to learn and so many opportunities to give out really good information that will help so many fucking people. Ah, fuck yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, I'm going to go...